if we filtered our lives and our challenges through the promises of God? God's promises are pine trees in the rocky mountains of Scripture. Abundant, unbending, and perennial. Hi, it's Josh here, one of the pastors at West Valley Christian Church, where we exist to love God and love people. And we are on a series called Unshakable Hope 2, where we are taking a deeper look at the message for this year. you guys enjoyed our pastor swap with my friends Rudy and Ken. Amen. They did a great job. It was fun uh, being at their churches and, and preaching there. And then uh, last week, my wife and I got to get away for a few days. So that was a, a good thing for Lisa and I. And so uh, before I actually get into the message, I just want to bring you back to about two and a half years ago when I stood here for the very first time as your lead pastor. And I stood here and I held two pairs of shoes up. Does anyone remember? Raise your hand if you remember these two pairs of shoes. Wow. Okay. And I said this, that these are very important special uh, shoes. These are the, the shoes of, of our children's director's daughter. And these happen to be uh, the shoes of my little guy, who's not so little anymore, Easton. And I said that these little feet walk around this campus, and it's our job to not only for these two kids, but every child that comes on this campus, it's our job to show them Jesus Christ. Amen. And I said this, that children and teens are not the future of the church. They are the church today. Amen. Well, we've tried to put our money where our mouth is, and you know what's happened with building up stairs, and so many of you sacrificed for that happening, and, and, and Amy Gonzalez and her team are always rethinking and trying to think outside the box of how can we make a greater impact, not with just the kids in our church, but the kids at our school and the kids in our community. So uh, I want to remind you that this Friday, they're taking a big step of faith, and it's called the Jelly Bean Jam, and this place will be transformed, and there's some new technology that's going to be revealed that night. And it's just going to be an awesome night. And what you could do on your end is pray for this event, but also take this, this flyer and, and go to the kids in your neighborhood, go to the kids at your workplace, go to the kids at your school and invite them. And don't just even invite them, bring them. And uh, we are going to have an amazing night. The doors open at 630 and I'm told that the event doesn't start till seven, but I'm told you want to be here at 630. All right. Will you, will, you, will you join in on that? Because I don't know about you. As I look at this world, whew, it is the church's job to show these kids how to live. And if we drop the ball, we are only the ones to blame. April of 2008, there was this big softball game between a team from Oregon and a team from Washington. I think it was... Uh, Western Oregon and Central Washington. And this was a big game because whoever won the game was going to go on to the playoffs and whoever lost the game was going to go home. So the game was a tight game and, and there was a, a, a mistake that happened in the outfield with the right fielder for, for Western Oregon. And so uh, this, this person was replaced by, and I want to make sure I get her name, Sarah Tuk Tukalski. And, and Sarah was a part of a mighty team of great hitters, but Sarah was not known as a great hitter. And if you don't know statistics, um, let's just say if you're batting 143, you're probably not one of the best hitters. And so she was, uh, she was up to bat. There was two runners on base and Sarah got a hold of a pitch and she sent it over the left field fence. 
first home run of her collegiate career. And she's so excited, she's running, and she gets to first base and rounding, going to second, and all of a sudden she hears her coach screaming, you missed first base, you missed first base. And she stopped and she turned. But in doing that, she ripped everything in her knee. She falls to the ground, and in agony, she doesn't know what to do, and she crawls to first base. She's got one hand just clutching her knee and the other hand clutching first base back. She looks up at her coach and says, coach, what do I do? And the umpire happened to be standing there and the coach and the umpire are like, we're not sure what you're supposed to do. But what we know can't happen is one of your teammates cannot come and touch you and assist you around the bases. Otherwise you're out. So here she is struggling in pain, not knowing what to do. The umpires aren't knowing what to do. And so they gather together in a circle and they begin to talk about what should happen next. You got the picture in your mind? Max Licato, an author and pastor, says this. We too have stumbled, not in baseball, but in life. In morality, honesty, and integrity. We have done our best only to trip and fall. Our finest efforts have left us flat on our backs. Like Sarah, we are weakened, not with torn ligaments, but with broken hearts, weary spirits, and fading vision. The distance between where we are and where we want to be is impassable. What do we do and where where do we turn? This is hopelessness, isn't it? But today we start a series called Unshakable Hope 2. And so I hope that we leave here with unshakable hope. Let's pray. God in heaven, it's only you that could do that in us, through us, and for us. The task seems great, God, as we don't have to look far, even beyond the walls that we live in, to know that there's weakness and hopelessness around all of us. But God, it is so good to be in your house where we could gather around your word and draw hope. God, we pray that you do something amazing here today. I love you. We love you. In the powerful name of Jesus, and all God's people said, he gets you. Can you say that with me? He gets you. Who? Him. Let's say this again. He gets you. Now, I want you to just take that from this kind of, you know, oh, it's just one of those he gets you. And I want you to, I want you to put your name there. So in my case, it's he gets robbed. Are you ready? He gets robbed. Let's say it again. 
he gets robbed. Now, some of you are sitting there going, I'm just saying all this stuff because pastor said it. I want you to believe this when you're walking out those doors. Because the truth is, just like Sarah, we have been knocked down. And we have been weakened and we are struggling. Maybe not at this moment. Maybe we have in the past or maybe, well, not maybe, we will be in the future. And we need to cling to this hope. We need to cling to this message that says it doesn't matter what life brings us. He gets us. And that's what we're going to package, unpackage for the rest of this message. If you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus was human. Jesus was human, and that's going to play very important into our message today. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 4, and if you don't uh, already have your Bible with you, raise your hand. These fine gentlemen are going to make their way down, and we're going to jump into what our main text is for today. It's Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, and we're going to look at verse 14. Are you ready? Therefore, since we have a great high priest who was ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to what? Empathize with our weakness. Did you see that? Empathize with our what? With our weakness. But we have one who has been tempted in what? Well, what does every mean, every mean in church? What does every mean? Every, every means every. It means all. We don't have to be Greek scholars, right? And so think about that. When you read this passage, it says that Jesus was human and he endured everything that we have. He could sympathize with us, not because he's in some corporate tower looking through a bunch of information and data and making decisions that he's never been in the store to make, but he's been down here just like you and I, amen? For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. And yet, there's the key, and yet what? He did not sin. And because of this truth, the author of Hebrews says this, let us then approach God's throne of grace. Church, stop. Take that in for a moment because of all that's been shared, we could take a deep breath. We could go before the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive what? Mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. My friends, he gets you. He gets you. He gets Rob Denton. I know, if nothing else, you should be in awe of that. Nobody gets me. God gets me. And you know what, my friends? God gets you as you lay flat on your back, holding and clutching your pain. I think that's amazing. How about you? You look at John. Oh gosh, it gets better. John chapter one. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then you've got John. 
And then we're going to go to the first chapter. And again, we're just talking about Jesus was human. John chapter 1, verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and the only son who came from the father, listen, who came from the father full of what? He came full of grace and truth. This is again talking about Jesus Christ. This is what we call the incarnation, a big word. Uh, Let me narrow it down to, it's called Christmas. God, God comes down to earth in human form. The word became flesh. And he didn't enter this world like like Kent Clark enters into a phone booth. And some of you need to go Google phone booth, but you you go into a phone booth and you, you go as Clark Kent and you come out as who? You come in as a Superman. And it's not like God is in heaven with, with everything that, that God is. And all of a sudden, he just kind of zapped himself right here into earth. No, he was born just like you and I. As a matter of fact, we had it a lot better. I would guess 99.9% of us were probably born in somewhat of a sterile environment with, with some care of some doctors And yet we know when we read the Christmas story that Jesus was born in a barn. The King of kings and the Lord of lords did not come and zap himself down to heaven and sit on a throne and start barking out orders. He ended this world like you and I. You see, my friends, he gets you. He gets me. Colossians. Oh, love those Bible pages turning. Colossians chapter one. Going the wrong way. Colossians chapter one, verse 15. This is a great Section that we're just going to look at a few verses, but I'd encourage you this week or this afternoon, read this whole section. But in, in 1 Colossians, verse 15, the Son, referring to who? Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things have been created through him and what? For him. You see, Jesus, though he was human, was God in the flesh. It's hard to comprehend, isn't it? Yet this is a truth in which we grasp here this morning. Fully God in the flesh. I, I like the, he, he went from making stars in heaven to making cabinets on earth. You see, he gets you. 
he gets me. Colossians chapter one, verse 19, if you continue on, for God was pleased to have all his fullness, all of his fullness, not a quarter, not a third like me. You know, I'm half Italian. Don't hold it against me. You know, a lot of you are half this and three quarters that and one eighth this and, you know, all that kind of stuff. No, 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 no. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through blood shed on the cross. Now, verse 21, I just want to throw this in as bonus. Once you were alienated from God. And you were enemies in your minds because, because of your evil behavior. But now he has what? Reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Here's the reality. We could be sitting flat or laying flat on our back. We could be holding all of our pain, understanding all of our weakness. And we could say, oh yeah, you're a pastor. Go to God, you know, go to Jesus. Of course you're gonna say that. Or that annoying person at your work that says, oh, all you have to do is pray about it. All you have to go to, all you have to do is go to Jesus. What I want to do is push all of that aside and let's just talk practical. The scripture says this is why you could go to him. It's not just like flippant things that come out of crazy people's minds. We are talking about Jesus Christ who gets us. It's not the God that I was taught Growing up, and again, my experience that this God that's way out there and his son Jesus who's perfect and he's untouchable, and I would just say, oh, I can have a relationship with that? I don't get that up there. And God understood that, and that's why he came down here in the flesh. Some of you are still going, okay, what does that mean, though? Well, glad you asked. What does it mean that Jesus was human? Well, there's a, there's a whole list of scriptures I can run through, but let me just share a few here today. Um, he felt sorrow. Did you know that? Go to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse 27. Jesus felt sorrow. This is Jesus' words. He says, now my soul is troubled. Jesus said this, God in the flesh experienced sorrow here on this earth. Now my soul is troubled and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify, glorify your name. You know, Jesus, the son of, of God, was anxious about death? Have you ever been anxious about death? Do you know of someone that has been anxious about death? Do you know that the son of God was anxious about death? How do you know that, pastor? Well, look at Matthew. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26, verse 38. Again, then he said to them, this is Jesus, my soul is what? 
Now, now stop for a second. This is, this is Jesus where we saw the fullness of God was in him here on this earth. And yet we just read Jesus' words that says, my soul is what? Overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. This is in the garden of the Gethsemane and he's asking his disciples to hang out with them. I need you in this time right here. And not only is he feeling this anxiety about what's gonna face him, but he's abandoned by the very guys he had been pouring his life into. I would say that he experienced abandonment also. The list goes on and we're not gonna care, cover them all, but look at, look at the John. John chapter 11, for, for many uh, Christians, this is a, a popular verse or a famous verse that's quoted and memorized because it's the easiest one. John chapter 11, verse 35, it says what? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus wept. Why did he weep? Because he lost a loved one. Have you ever wept because you lost a loved one? Jesus is not above this. And again, I'm just sharing all these verses to show the human side of Jesus. Is this making sense? Can I share one more? All right, thanks for the permission. <laughs> Hebrews. Hebrews chapter five. We'll go to Hebrews chapter five, verse seven. During the last days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. You see, Jesus prayed with tears. My friends, have you ever prayed with tears? You see, when you pray with tears, Jesus gets you. When you, when you fear death, Jesus gets you. When you've been abandoned, Jesus gets you. When you feel sorrow, when you feel grief, when you feel pain, Jesus gets you. We're not gonna look at the passages, but we see that in this Bible, it says Jesus was hungry in the wilderness. Have you ever had hunger? Come on now. Second service, they're more hungry. <laughs> Jesus experienced anger. Have we ever experienced anger in this place? Jesus was sleepy on a boat. Have you ever been sleepy? Come to third service. We keep the lights down. The Bible says he was tired and he sat at the well. Have you ever been tired that you needed to sit down? Jesus gets it. Have you ever had pain? Read the gospels. Jesus knows about emotional pain. Jesus knows about physical pain pain. You see, my friends, the reason we could turn our hopelessness into hope by turning ourselves and our attention to Jesus is because if nobody else gets us, he does. And if nobody understands our weakness, he does. And if nobody understands our pain, he does. And you know what Jesus also understands? He understands what it's like to be thirsty. You remember the cross? I need to hear this. How about you? 
It's so even, easy, even as a Christ follower, to forget this. The words could come out, but sometimes it's hard to forget why it's so important that God Almighty came down to this earth in human form and the person we call Jesus. He was fully human. He was fully divine. And because of the first, we draw near. And because of the latter, we worship. Do you ever wonder, do you ever wonder if he really gets you though? Do you ever wonder if he really gets you? I want to go with the second part of this sermon. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Jesus is superhuman. Okay? So Jesus is human. Uh, hopefully I've thrown a lot of scriptures out there that helps you understand the human part of Jesus. But where he's different than you and I is he's superhuman. Let me bring you back to Hebrews chapter four. Are you with me? Hebrews chapter four. And we're gonna read this. We're gonna read this together. Ready? Hebrews 4, 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So that first part lets us know that he was human, but then there's that part that separates us that says, yet he did not sin. That's where he and I are different. <laughs> How about you? It's like he was tempted in every way. He had every, everything. And that's what's hard for me. As I read that this week, and I'm just kind of a weirdo, I'm sitting at my desk thinking some of the things that I've been tempted with. And I'm like, wait a second. You're telling me Jesus was tempted with that? And, and the scripture says, yes. And yet he did not give in because he is God in the flesh. And so there is where I sit and I stand and I go, wow, if I can acknowledge that and understand that in my life, if I'm flat on my back, why in the world would I not turn to somebody that gets me and that can pull me out of it? Matthew chapter 28, 18, Jesus says this, all, which means what church? All, he says, all authority and power has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That passage also shares with us that he is superhuman. God in the flesh, he has all power and authority. He gets you. I think about this word power. <laughs> I don't know how this came up, but uh, I... Uh, I remember at a time in our church's history, we used to, we used to be in a church basketball league. And um, we had a dominant team here. And let me just paint the picture for you. How could it not be dominant if Pastor John is the center of the team and I was the point guard? <laughs> I mean, 
I mean, how did any other church stand a chance, right, John? And, and you know, it was a given that John and I made the team every year. But, you know, we had, um, you know, we had to have people try out. And one year, there was this guy, somewhat athletic, and we let him try out. His name was Eric Davis. You may not know that name, but he was a professional baseball player for very many years and an all-star and just a stud. He went to our church for a long time. Many of his family members, some of them, I think, are even here today still. But um, I say that comically because Eric played at Fremont and uh, Eric was drafted both in basketball and baseball. I mean, he was an all-star. And can you imagine when we're like, hey, E, do you want to play on our church basketball team? (laughs) After he got done laughing, I said, no, seriously. I said, I'm sure we can make room for you. Maybe give a few less minutes to John and myself. So Eric comes out in the first game. I don't know if you remember this, John. The first game we're playing, and I think we had him at forward. The very first time Eric Davis ever passed a basketball to me, and I'm I'm ashamed to admit this, it went right through my hands. I had never had a basketball passed to me with that much power. I'm just lucky it didn't hit me right in the face. And throughout the game, I, I, again, I, I had never, I, I didn't play basketball in high school, so it's not like I had a lot of examples, but I had never seen so much strength and power on a basketball court as I did with him. He just ran faster. He passed the ball harder. He could jump higher. He could slam dunk with no problem. And it was just amazing to be out on the court with Eric because he had superpower compared to what I had. And like John Stauberger was in between us. I kid you not, you guys don't know, Pastor John was a baller, left-hand shot. I share that because here's the reality. We could laugh, and I laugh about that, because, but, but, but I knew something at this level, and Eric helped me see it at another level. I want to tell you, my friends, we see life at this level, and if we go hang out with Jesus and see his power, we're going to be in a whole nother league. And when you say you can't, he can. And when you say no more, he says, yes, we can. And when you say there's no way out, he says, come with me. I don't know who's sitting here and here and what you're dealing with at this moment, but I want to tell you this. This is an incredible promise that we're talking about. He knows you. Don't turn to Jack Daniels. Don't turn to meth. Don't turn to porn. Don't turn to relationships. Don't turn to finances. Don't turn to success. Whatever those things are, those things are all momentary. You want to get out of the weakness? You want to get out of the pain? You want real life change? Then you go to the real Jesus that has real power to do real things in your life that you never thought you could ever do. And that's not just someone that's excited up on this stage. This is someone that has experienced it and is experiencing it. Because the truth is, I would not be up on this stage if it weren't for Jesus. If only you knew. Many, many years ago, I was probably 18, 19 years old, had a friend, just became a Christian, had a friend at this church. He says, Rob, let's go start working out. Now, 
I know some of you guys are like, man, that guy didn't stop working out since that day. (laughs) But the truth is, working out was not something, you know, big in my vocabulary. And so back in the day, remember when Fallbrook was Fallbrook Mall? And do you remember they had family fitness right there by Sears? I joined. I gave my donation. You know what I mean. But there was a few times I showed up there, and Eric was just a power lifter. Uh, This is a different Eric. And, and so we're, we're lifting, and he's showing me, and we're on the bench, and, and I've got, what is it, 275 pounds on the bar? And <laughs> it probably wasn't even 75 pounds, but nonetheless, let's make 275. And I'm doing this, and he's showing me how to do correct, and this and that, elbows in, and just doing the reps. And he said, just put it up on the rack, and I'm going to go to the restroom. And I'm thinking, all right, but I could finish these off. So he goes to the restroom, and I'm finishing off the 275, right? I'm probably on number 49, 50, something like that. (laughs) I'll I'll never forget this. I've told this story here. I I brought that bar down to my chest, and I go to push it. I don't know if any of you have ever experienced that. I go to push it. It would not budge. (laughs) And when you have 275 pounds on your chest, 75 pounds or whatever it was, (laughs) on your chest and you can't get it off, and there's a pretty girl on the treadmill next to you, and you're trying to look tough, and you're like, right? And you know how that one arm's stronger, and it's kind of like this now, and then you're like this? And, and then there came fear. I kid you not. Fear gripped me. Like, I'm in trouble. I can't get this off, and I've kept pressing, kept pressing. I like, I got one more shot, or I might die at Family Fitness. <laughs> I close my eyes and I push with everything I got. And as I'm pushing, it's actually moving off my chest. And all of a sudden, my arms are straightening and I get it all the way up and I push it and I throw it right back on that rack and I open up my eyes and there's Eric. (laughs) Come on, there's Eric and he had grabbed it and he'd help pull it off. How many of you are flat on your back with the weight of the world on your chest right now and you're trying to push it off on your own strength? God Almighty sent his son Jesus Christ to help you get that off your chest. Stop pushing. By yourself. You're only gonna get hurt worse. Matthew 8 27. It says, the men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. You see, Jesus spent his whole time on this earth amazing people with his superhuman power. And he didn't stop. You see the cross? When it looked like the weight of the world was on him because the weight of the world was on him. And it looked like death had conquered him. Three days later, he rose from the grave. That resurrection power is the same power that's available to us today. Amen. What's stopping you 
from turning it all over to Jesus. Sarah had her knee being clutched by one hand and her other hand stretched out on first base. And as the umpires were conversing about what could happen, one of the umpires walked towards first base and the first baseman for the opposition looked at the umpire and says, well, could I help her? And the umpire said, why in the world would you do that? You see, if they lost that game, that would be the end of her career. She was a senior. But he says, do it. And this young lady motioned over to her shortstop and said, come on over. We have a picture of what happened next. As you look, they they, they picked her up, brought her over to second base, lowered her so she could touch the back, lifted her back up, walked over to third base, lowered her so she could touch third base. And as she approached home plate, her whole team was waiting there, cheering her on as the opposition carried her to home plate, lowered her down, and touched home plate. Jesus wants to do that for you. Will you let him? He gets you. He really gets you. Father, thank you. Thank you for, um, thank you for getting us. When we're powerless, when we're weak, when we want to give up, when there's no more hope, you came to this earth, you walked, you suffered just like us in so many ways. You endured the cross and yet you conquered it with superhuman power. It'd be my prayer for myself and for each person here today that we would connect with that superhuman power to bring us home like those two girls did. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. Thanks for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or join us live at any of our weekend worship experiences. Have a great day.